0: Welcome to the City Point Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Uh, I, remember, I remember it wasn't that long ago uh, we were on a journey with them and they had just grown and grown and grown. And, uh, you know, we're just getting sick and tired of Jen and me. Um, and so we were... We were like busting at the seams uh, to, to give them an opportunity to take the reins of a church. And uh, you might remember this, say hey? we're like looking all over Australia. We we were throwing some stuff at New Zealand and everything like that. And nothing quite seemed to fit. And it had never crossed my mind that they weren't going. I was. And uh, so... <laughs> It was like, what the, what the, and uh, so it was really great. So we, yeah, we just literally packed up, we left our house, we left our kids, we left our family, and went down into um, Tari, where we'd been, uh, made perfect timing, uh, right into a drought, then fires, floods, famines, COVID. Uh, it's been great. It's been a piece of cake, and um, it's just so easy, uh, pasturing, especially if you just have to work on a Sunday, that's it, it's brilliant. Uh, but on to these guys. And uh, we love them very, very much. But I want to get stuck into it today. I want to look, chat to you today about something that I, I've only discovered later in my life, which is kind of came as a bit of a shock. It might come as a shock to some of you when you consider that, if those who know me. Uh, I'm, I'm actually human. It's interesting. Uh, I, I'm actually completely, totally, wonderfully, ordinary in my humanness. But it creates a massive tension in my life because I also have a little bit of OCD and a lot of perfectionism. And, uh, you know, because you can tell that when I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, I go, mm-hmm, perfect. And, and then I step into my day, uh-oh, not so perfect. And, and no matter how much I recognize my humanness, I can't abandon my pursuit of perfectionism as well. And, and this is a really big tension in my life. And I've learned over the years that this tension is something that we manage, not a problem to solve. It's a tension we manage, not a problem to solve. And I love the tensions in the Bible. John, you, you would appreciate this like me. I really, really do. Like, if you've been around for a little while, you probably heard this. Jesus says, don't worry, Matthew chapter 6. And you go, oh, awesome. Okay, no, no problem. You know, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Okay, that seems fine. Solved. Next problem. Then he says, don't be afraid. And, and it's like instantly you go, oh, that's brilliant, oh, just perfect. You know? And if you have a look at every single time he says these statements, he never retracts them. He then brings out a balance in the very next sentence or verses that unpacks it, but he leaves the tension hanging out there. He said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. And she got up and lived a perfect life and never, ever sinned ever again. Not true. Then there's another one. I remember I just spoke on this just the other day. It says, be anxious for nothing. And you're like, brilliant. So when you've got that big bill and you can't pay it or you're waiting on news, it's so easy. Just don't be anxious. Just, you know, you look at it you go, and go, and, you know, I want to encourage you. If you have your friends ring up, you just point at the verse and just go, it's easy, just don't be anxious. He's okay, don't worry about it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, walk on water, cast demons out, blah, blah, move mountains, you're blocking my view. Move. You got this. I believe in you, church. How cool is the gospel? It's attention. It's attention. He doesn't remove the words, he doesn't make it easy. He doesn't just go, nah, kidding. <laughs> he got- He goes, I really want you to be perfect. I want you to walk in the light as I am in the light. That in in you, you can't have, you know, good water and bitter water flowing out of your bodies. Okay, (laughs) this is difficult. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But I'm also a sinner saved by grace. I'm the head and not the tail, but sometimes I feel the butt of everybody's jokes. I have no, yeah, thank you, dad joke. Hey, shut up. I'm a granddad now. I can do granddad jokes. (laughs) I've no idea what I'm doing and yet I have the wisdom that comes down from above and I know all things and need not that any man should teach me for the same spirit that is inside of me teaches me concerning all things. That's what the Bible says. Got it. Sorted. Easy. Piece of cake. If only that was true. And our world has lost itself because they no longer want to engage in the tension. That's the problem. They don't want you to just accept that they think differently. If you disagree or create a tension for them, they lose their brains and cancel you. But we've lived with this tension since the world began. Paul writes in the book of Romans, don't copy the behaviors, the customs, the way the world that they think and, and live. It says be different. Be who God made you to be. Discover the wonder of the true creation not a man-made, warped version of it, but the one that you were made. Living our lives in this way literally brings purpose to our everyday and honour to our God. Into this thought, Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. See, you thought I wasn't going to use the Bible. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important that what I've taught you before, what I laid out into your heart, This is even more important than ever before. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence. The results, not for your salvation, but the results of it. The evidence that you have a changed, discipled life. And then verse 13 says this, For God is working in you. Oh my gosh, I love that. Isn't that so cool? That he who began a good work in you, the Bible says, will complete it. You started this, Lord. You're doing this work. I've just got to trust the process and continue in that. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. This really begs a question to me what pleases Him? What is it that pleases God? Really? It's just to be like Jesus. Like truly, really, honestly. Be like Jesus. The example, the standard, the calling, the tension follow Jesus and be like him. So when people see you, they should be seeing a you version of Jesus. Jesus without a hair. <laughs> Jesus as a bald 54-year-old. So I want to share today this tension. This tension not perfect, fully human and able to be comfortable in the skin that you're wearing. So I want to talk today about be human, see human, free human. If you're taking notes, that's it. We just peaked. Be human, see human, free human. I remember talking about be human when I was a young boy uh, growing up. Had Obviously, everybody's got a story, so I had a lot in my story. And, and one of my only heroes in my world was my older brother. He was just about two years older than me and I used to follow him around wherever he was and idolized him almost to the point point. and for some strange reason, it really annoyed him and he tried to stab me, burn me, uh, shoot me, threw spanners at me, toss me out of windows, uh, you know, just general fun things like that. Um, but I wanted to be like him and he was very mechanically minded and he'd pull things apart, put them back together. I would just pull them apart and they would stay apart. In fact, sometimes I struggle just to even pull them apart. And when we grow up with a lack of identity in and around our world, we tend to focus on, on either trying to blend in or step into the background and fade out, or we play a charade, a character of somebody else, but not necessarily of who we are. And as long as we're trying to be somebody else, we can't embrace the humanness of who God made us to be. But as Christians, we believe, you don't have to, if you're not a Christian, you can believe whatever you like. But as Christians, we believe that we are made in the image, after the likeness of God. This means, then, not just the people who were saved, but every people, every human. Every human being is made with an imbued and inherent value and worth. Think about that. Regardless of their race, their ethnicity, their gender, characteristics, they have a dignity that deserves to be treated with respect and love. Being human beings, recognizing this truth that's in them and trying to draw that out. Striving in a way that upholds the dignity uh, dignity of all people. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says this, you know this, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. We are created with purpose for a purpose. What I love about this verse is it goes against this teaching that had been around a little while. Thankfully, you don't believe it here at City Point North, but some churches do it. And I really like this, because hopefully in the room I can offend somebody, I really try to get that out of the way early in the preach. That's why I told you to shut up. So just in case you forgot, I did. Because uh, there's, there's a belief that had been around that man was made in the image of God, and women were made in the image of man, because the rib was taken for the woman, blah blah, 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 blah. That's not what the Bible says. He just said it right there. Ready, ready, ready? God created them. In his own image, God, male and female, he created them. Ladies, step on up. Made in the image of God. Absolutely. Psalm 139 says this, For you were created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. How come... Sometimes when we get up and we stand in front of the mirror, we don't go, oh, wow, God. We go, oh, God, wow. Just, you know, have you ever, have you ever caught yourself doing this? I've done this and it's, and it's disturbing. I do something. I'm even by myself and I have conversations with myself. No, you don't. Shut up. I'm talking. Um, you do something and you mess up and you go, "Ah, oh, you're such an idiot. Have you ever done that? You ever, you've thought that, right? I've, I've said it out loud, not, not to anybody, just to me. But I have never once done something and then gone, my gosh, you're amazing. I want to hang out with you. Thank you. Just, and we would think anybody who does that is weird, but how come it's acceptable to speak negatively about ourselves? How come we, how come we can have a freedom of bringing ourselves down And denigrating our humanness that was made in the image of God fearfully and wonderfully done and not carry ourselves the way that he made us. I don't know about you, but I am an exceptional Rick Brewer. I really do. I own this thing. Years of neglect to get a body like this. Committed. Our individuality, our uniqueness is our gift from God. Oh, I don't know. Nobody's like me. Thank you. Jesus, we love that about you. You bring something to the party that nobody else does. We need to take a moment to pause and remember who we really are human, simple, (laughs) some more simple than others, forgiven, broken, flawed, blind often to our own inabilities. We're fully human. We were never divine and became human. Like Jesus, we are fully and completely human. We never forget that. And from this incredible base, that place of humility of knowing who we are, we step into the grace and the wonder of God. When we, re- we turned up in the Manning Valley and uh, in 2019, I got down there, like in May, I don't know if anybody remember, but I was traveling back and forward. in just over a month, I did 30,000 kilometers. I think I set a new rail record. <laughs> ridiculous. The reason we did that was because the church was kind of in trouble. Uh, the pastor had successfully built it from 100 or so people and it was growing at an amazing rate down to 30 people when I preached there on the, on the Sunday and I said, I, I think I need to step in right now or there won't be a church to come down to. And so we rocked on up and it was great because I don't know about you, Graham, but, but I was so ready to take on this challenge and build the kingdom of God and teach them all the great leadership principles and things that I have. And then, uh, then we had fires, then we had floods, then we had worldwide pandemic. And all my great plans went out the window instantly. It, you know, it was like, I'm worried about building a team. We're not even meeting in the building. You know, it was that simple. Uh, we were just trying to survive. And people, people weren't interested in my five new leadership principles. They just wanted food on the table. Some of them just wanted a table. And so everything else, you know, in our lives were almost put to the side and we literally, in our humanness, just met the need, worked with that community. And and my wife, Jen, who you guys know, just just led that thing, sat on the council advisory board for the whole of the Manning Valley, Uh, got given a car, sponsored a car by Nissan Australia, to drive around and visit people in those communities. As we reached out to literally hundreds and thousands, gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stuff, had a standing order at BCF for portable showers and heaters and beds and tents, and everybody was in that place of just trying to survive. And, and so we became his hands and his feet. It wasn't my plan, but it was what was needed. It's just being humid. Everybody walks through the doors of this church Every church is human. They have a story and they have a history. They deserve the love, the grace, to be treated with integrity, to draw out the goodness of God that's buried in them, to to be valued and accepted and cherished and championed. They're special, not for what they do, but just because of who they are. They are image bearers of Christ. And our job is to discover that element in their lives. Be human, see human. In a world that often values power, wealth and success over compassion and kindness, it can be easy to overlook the humanity of those around us. It really can. However, as followers of Jesus, we are, we are meant to see these needs. We're called to see every person, like I said, as this beloved, wonderful child of God. This makes It's important for us then to take the time to literally hear their stories, to seek to understand their struggles and their joys, to treat them with empathy and kindness, even if they are incredibly different to us. We're not always called to agree, and that's okay, but we always are called to seek to understand. And that means at times we need to lean in even when we want to pull back, to seek understanding rather than being understood ourselves. Sometimes we're more interested in our message, not their journey. Matthew chapter 7 is another amazing verse. Once this gets in your head, I will have ruined your life. The tension's in the Bible. You ready? Here it is. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Easy. So I've never, ever judged ever again. So not true. It's a killer, isn't it? Do not judge. And you go, okay, is this like a trick because you can't help it. Some of you are so judgy, just amazing. And then, and then again, this is what Jesus does. He was a master at this. You, I'm telling you, you cannot read the Gospels again the same way when you, when you see this. Don't judge or you will be judged. And then he goes, here it is, let me break it down. But in the same way that you judge, you will be judged. The same way that you judge other people, the same measures, the same things that you have. Because here's the thing. We judge ourselves on intentions and others on actions. Well, that's not me. I, you know my heart. And it's like, look at them, idiot. <laughs> you know, Because we judge them from what we see, but we judge ourselves from what we feel. He says, with the measure that you use, that's what will be measured back to you. We don't mean to in life, but sometimes we can forget where we actually came from, where we started. We become a cynic rather than curious. You know, as I have gotten older, one of the things that I've looked at in my world and in a lot of people, I watch people grow older and they can get set in their ways. They can get more grouchy, more crabby, more cynical, be there, done that, seen it all, nothing surprises me. And I remember literally watching these types of people, and I've got to let you in on a secret They grow ugly. You know, and sometimes I feel led by the Spirit of God to tell them, and they judge me for it. Like, but other people, they keep that sense of wonder and curiosity. And I literally, even just a few years ago, I have to throw this in, when I was studying at Harvard during the pandemic. We did a course and I changed my language when people would tick me off or annoy me. I would go, I wonder what you mean by that. Or I'm curious why you would say that. Instead of going, and that's what it sounds like to them because they ain't listening to you. But I want to draw it. I'm curious. I'm curious to see where they're coming from. I'm curious to see what's motivating that. Don't lose a sense of wonder. I wonder what that means. I wonder what's going on in their world. Wow, look at that reaction. Look at that. They've got a knife. Interesting. I wonder how old that knife is. I wonder if it's been disinfected lately. (laughs) Just, you know, they seem very angry. Wow, interesting. Look at that. Now they're running towards me. I wonder if they do cardio. How far will I have to run and how fast? How long since my last run? Do I feel like running or should I stay? (laughs) Just curious about life. In John 13, verse 34, again, Jesus says these words. He says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. And that's really interesting because it wasn't a new one. It's kind of weird. This is a weird one, right? Right back in the beginning, when they gave the commandments, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all the soul, love your neighbor as yourself. second commandment. Love one another. And, the, and imagine sitting there, Jesus about to speak. I'm going to give you a new commandment, guys. All the disciples get the pen and paper. Ooh, is he even allowed to do that? He is the word made flesh. Okay. Let's write it down. Love one another. And Jesus, excuse me, don't, don't mean to interrupt, but we've already had that one. Like mean, 3,000 years we've been doing this whole thing. And he goes, shut up. Peter, because you know it was Peter. I haven't finished. It was a comma, not a full stop. Love one another as I have loved you. And the room went quiet. Because they just witnessed him washing their feet. And they couldn't even process that. They watched him love and serve the man who would betray him. They watched him die on a cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said, that, you talk about tension. (laughs) That's the tension I want to create. Love one another. See the right way. See, we see through our preferences or our perceptions and our frame of reference. But you you can't reach people if you don't see them. You need to connect there. When we first went down to the church and there was a daycare right next to the church attached to it, and I found out this whole story that we'd had the land and they'd sold the land and everybody was ticked at the pastor because they sold the land to pay out the debts and they put a daycare there. And this daycare was just a little bit carnal. They celebrated. Only two big festivals they had was Halloween, it was a major, major party and Nadoc week and, and all these other things that, you know, Christmas without Jesus, Christmas was just Santa. Fat man and Easter bunnies and, and all of that, not one Christian. And so I thought the best thing I could do is put my wife in there. So, <laughs> I'm not going in there. That'll eat me alive, man. So, um, so poor Jen was dropped in there. And I said, you've got more experience in daycares than me. She goes, what experience? You drop the kids off. I, uh, you know, Do you know how it works? So I literally, I did. I sent Jen in to run the daycare. And just be in that place. And, uh, and I remember the, we would have a dedication Sunday. We invite the; They have to come along if they're employed by us. They have to come, you know, like the start of the year as we celebrate them. They're part of our family. And so the first year, like at least 60 plus percent of them dodged it, weren't here, didn't come. And uh, then the next year, about 50-50 came. This year we celebrated. We nearly had every staff member there, only two away. We now have over six people saved in that daycare. We have families who've joined the church from the daycare. Last week, I baptized two single mums from that daycare in water, celebrating as their lives spin around. Just right there, seeing them in that place every single day. I just said, Jen, just go in there and be you. Drop things, lose things, steal pens, have conversations, and win to Jesus. Those of you know Jen, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> be human, be human, free human. Jesus came to free us from sin and death, from the hold of things that hold us back from our purposes. And so for us, that is our call as well. He said, go make disciples like this. Go find people like this. It means advocating for justice for people, equality for all people, working to dismantle systems of oppression and, and discrimination and And a helping hand to those who need it. By working to free others, how we literally work out our lives. And that's why ministry isn't necessarily measured by whether you have a pastor title or you stand on a platform. But you serve him in the place that you find yourself to free others around you, however you can. That's our neighbor, reaching our neighbor for the gospel. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord was upon me, Jesus says, because he has anointed me. And you are part of that verse to proclaim the good news to the poor. Good news to the poor is really simple. It means you don't have to stay poor. That's what good news is. He sent me to proclaim prisoners, a freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The truth is, so if we're not free, we can't free others. And often we're held captive to our blind spots in our lives. Problem with a blind spot, you don't see it. Because it's a blind spot. You don't even know it. But I'll tell you, your top three friends could tell you exactly what it is. When was the last time you asked, don't do that? (laughs) What if you did? What if you just asked somebody to challenge you, just this little thing to look at in your life, to take up that task of continuing to see, address our blind spots so that we can shed the weight that holds us and look under Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, as I to finish today, Micah 6, eight says, He is showing you, O mortal man. Oh, I love that. What is good, human? What is good, human? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. What does the Lord require of you? Be human, see human free human? How can you be an outsider with an insider's view and focus? How can you be in this world but not of it? What does it mean to be fully present but not engaged in? What are some things today that you maybe need to let go of in order to step back into that calling that God has for you? Because maybe, just maybe, you are exactly where you're meant to be. And there's something wonderful and magnificent that is going to happen in your mundane. Everybody looks for a miracle on Sunday. or if the miracle's coming on Monday? And you go into this week prepared and focused and excited for the opportunity that God may have before you. So close your eyes our heads in this place for every single one in this room and we are we are on that journey some of us still struggling with our identity some of us have perhaps grown a little cold and cynical we don't have that sense of wonder anymore and others of us we know who we are we know the work that Christ has done we see it clearly but we've we've lost the passion and the heart for others when we know that Jesus said love As I love, love not as a noun but as a verb. Love pouring your heart out, soul out to build the kingdom of God. Looking for the opportunities that He is going to give you this week. So, in this place, our challenge. Maybe can I ask you to be brave enough to pray this prayer? Lord, what do you require of me? God, what do you want me to do this week? Lord, what is it that you require of me? I will do it. Lord, what is it that's holding me back? I will leave it. Lord, what is it that I need to take my next step? I will grab hold of that. Step into that future that you have for me. We read it right in the book of Philippians, right at the start. He is doing the work in you, creating that desire to seek Him, pursue Him. Right now, receive it. Maybe you're here this morning, you're away from God. Perhaps you followed Him once before, or maybe you've never really made that decision to fully commit your heart and your life to him I encourage you today I can't give a magic prayer and make this incredible moment where heaven and time stop but I can introduce you to the one that we're called to love and follow and his name is Jesus and it's a simply knowing that you are disconnected or away from him you're out of relationship maybe you know religion but you don't know Jesus and you can't love others the way he loved if you don't know the way he loved. So I want to help you today to break free and take that next step in your walk and ask Jesus to come in and fill your heart and your life for you to surrender yourself to him and turn. The Bible says repent, which literally means to turn away from towards, away from the past towards the future, away from selfishness to selflessness. And in this place, it's as simple as just going, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want to meet you. I want to know you. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior. I want to take that step. And if that is you, I want you to do something. Not everybody else is just looking around. I think just some of the leaders are going to see it. But I'd love you to put your hand up right now. That is you in this place. And you've just been praying that prayer. And you're saying, yeah, I'm making that moment just between You, me, and God, I want to see it in this place. I want to support and encourage you as well. God's been speaking to you, and you're going, yeah, this is my decision moment. This is my moment. I prayed that prayer right now as I look across. I don't want to miss you if you've been in this place, making that decision for Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we honor you in this place. We search you out. Father, the work that you've begun in this incredible, wonderful church, for these amazing pastors, Pastors Gray and Mel, would you continue to pour your spirit out upon them that this church would be a beacon in this community, in this region, in this area, to see and build the kingdom of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.